This is Fresh Ed, a weekly podcast that makes complex ideas in educational research easily understood. I'm your host, Will Brem. Large-scale assessments such as PISA have profoundly changed the processes of educational policymaking. Countries that do well on PISA are turned into reference societies by other countries trying to emulate educational success. My guest today is Florian Waldo, a professor of comparative and international education at Humboldt University in Berlin. One of Florian's main research interests is the study of educational borrowing and lending, particularly the ways in which countries point to experiences from abroad as a way to legitimate policy agendas and how educational reference societies are constructed. In today's show, Florian talks about how the German media has interpreted the PISA success of countries in Scandinavia and Asia. Behind the Finnish flag, as it were, both the child-centered camp and the Education for Growth camp can, can unite. So, so Finland is, is attractive from all kinds of perspectives and for all kinds of uh, reasons. And um, yeah, that, that's, that's what makes it so attractive as a reference. His research shows that reference societies can both be positive and negative, pointing towards education reforms Germany should enact and those it should not. Florian Waldo, welcome to Fresh Ed. Um, Yeah, hello. I'm really thrilled to be here. Why is Finland considered the poster child of education reform? Um, Well... In the first, I think that has a lot to do with with PISA and Finland's PISA results, but that's not the whole story. Um, as probably most of the listeners know, Finland was close to the top of the league tables in the first round of PISA. In fact, it was was number one in reading literacy, and I don't recall which positions it was in in scientific and mathematical literacy, but also quite uh, high up. Um, but uh, I think that alone would not have made uh, Finland the global poster boy of educational reform. Because if you look at the league tables of the first round of PISA, you'll see that Japan and Korea already then were on first and second place, respectively, both in, uh, or one was, I don't recall which one was on first and which one was second, but one was first and, and the other second and the other first, and the first one first in in mathematical and scientific literacy. So, um, yeah, other countries were doing very, were were very, very successful as well. Um, And I think that Finland, in a sense, uh, could could build on an earlier history of Scandinavian countries being considered uh, models in the fields of education and, and welfare. There were, after the Swedish comprehensive school reform of the 1960s, there were bibliometric studies that tried to map how attention for and and interest in Swedish comprehensive school reform was distributed uh, around the world. And you saw that there was a massive amount of interest in Swedish comprehensive school reform, particularly so in West Germany, but also in, in, in other countries. So... There is a there is a long history of interest in school reform in Northern Europe, and seen from the outside, uh, in in very many uh, locations, there is this kind of transnational stereotype, uh, which which uh, um, to which all the Nordic countries are seen 
as belonging to. So while if you if you ask a Swede or a Finn, they all kind of very often emphasize the differences between Sweden and Finland. Seen from the outside, um, these these differences are often become quite uh, quite blurred. Reference societies such as Finland are used as projection screens for um, the projectors, as it were, own conceptions of the good school. And a lot of, I mean, there's also research on how much people know about other countries. And what usually emerges, cutting a few corners, is that they know quite a lot about their own country, possibly something about one or two neighboring countries, and also all around the world a lot of people know a lot or at least think they know a lot about the USA. That's that's kind of usually the pattern that emerges but what you can see from this research is that usually the general public knows, knows very little about other countries and Finland is probably particularly from from many other countries like Finland is a, is a good case in point that a lot of people did not know a lot of Finland. They just knew okay it's somewhere up there in northern Europe close to Sweden so it's probably somewhat similar and and so and, and if if it's true that that people use reference societies to project their own ideas about what good education is then of course it's good if the projection screen is as blank as possible so it's actually harmful to know things uh, uh, or uh, I think a reference to other countries doesn't work as well if uh, if you know a lot about these countries because then reality gets in the way and um, the projection doesn't work as well. And it seems like the, the PISA score would actually help in making a blank projection screen, right? Like the idea that you would get some sort of a number on mathematics or literacy and it in many ways just completely detached from any context of that country when you are outside of, say, Finland. All you see is that Finland is ranking very high, and therefore we need to go learn um, from that education system. Absolutely. That, 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 yeah, that, that's, that's exactly what, what's happening. And you've got this, this detached, decontextualized, comparable number. Like, even though, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing, that if, if you get a, a league table... Um, Gita Steiner Kamsi has written about this, for example. If you get a league table, that the, the league table will kind of exert a certain power of, of its own or, or, or will kind of become powerful just by virtue of being there, of being a league table. And like anybody, even you don't need to be able to, to calculate a rash model. In fact, you don't need to have any mathematic or sort of very, very, very limited mathematical literacy in order to be able to see, oh, there's some other country is up there and we're down there. And sort of there's, that exerts this kind of pressure in a certain direction, even if you have no idea how the league table was made. So Finland basically became kind of the, the perfect combination of, of the actual reforms that were going on in Finland spoke to a wide variety of kind of political interests from other countries. Um, and they were ranking very high on PISA. So it, in, it, as a result, many countries were sending education officials to Finland to, quote-unquote, learn from this high-ranking country. Yeah, it's interesting that, <clears throat> uh, yes, and I, I think on the one hand, that, that's a completely accurate description. On the other hand, it's interesting that you say the actual reforms in Finland, because I think uh, what you see in many cases is that what actually happened in Finland is not really that important. I mean, there's one one example that I always use with students, which is which kind of exemplifies this very nicely. 
and that is that when like when when Finland was so successful in the first round of PISA, a lot of uh, countries sent delegations there to, as you say, uh, were supposed to study Finnish education. And there was one article in a German newspaper, Die Welt, um, not not a newspaper. I uh, well, it it is that. Um, how should I say, the, the Welt considers itself a quality newspaper. I'm not sure I share that that uh, opinion, but but never mind. It, it's it's an it, like it's not a tabloid. Um, and when the then federal education minister Edelgard Bulman came back from Finland, the the Welt ran an article about um, well, what's the secret behind the success of, of Finland? And they they say well, it's all day schooling. It's the fact that that pupils go to school in the morning and stay there until the afternoon. Uh, and they also, like the article also <clears throat> is written in a way that you think that Edgar Pullman, the, the minister, also said that. Now, the thing is, uh, and Germany had a massive discussion about the introduction of all day schooling at that time. The thing is, Finland didn't and still doesn't have a system of all day schooling. So in, in a sense, they, they were, I mean, that's a particularly clear example of projection. They were saying, well, Finnish success is due to all day schooling, which didn't even exist in Finland. But the reference as a legitimatory argument worked all the same um, in in Germany. So it, it's like the, the the you can make anything up. You, yes, uh, is, is it, yeah. Well, may, maybe not. I'm I'm not sure. Not, you maybe not anything. anything. But but sort of you've got <laughs> a very very wide scope of what you can make up. But I, I wouldn't say that it's always made up. It's there. There also you can also show examples where they kind of. Like for example, individual support for students, which is quite strong, which does actually exist in Finland, is quite strong and is probably something that that uh, is one reason for Finnish success. But how, if you look at how that is built into actual political arguments, you can see that both the advocates of comprehensivization in Germany use it to say, well, yeah, that's what that's what we that's what we need in order to have a functioning comprehensive system. And the advocates of a tract system say, or I've got one nice quote by a Bavarian educational minister, you know, like Bavaria being a particularly conservative federal state, who says, yeah, we need individual support like in Finland in order to, uh, to, to, make, the, to, to make the lowest tracks of the tract system work. So the, like the same feature, as it were, of the Finnish system is built into opposing political agendas there. So, um, and another... I hope, sorry, I hope this, this is not too many examples, but another thing that also shows you the character of this projection quite nicely is if you look at, I've, I've also looked at Swedish newspapers, how they portray the Finnish success. And now I said that what countries know about other countries is kind of, they, they do tend to know something about some of their neighbors. And so so uh, in Sweden, there's a completely diff, like, like the, the, I think the Swedes also project, but you can't, the the, the the projection screen is not as blank because they don't the the funny thing is that that like in in Sweden Finland is not used as this uh, or is not portrayed as this kind of uh, pippy long stocking uh, education place like where, where pupils as like it is sometimes portrayed from the German perspective place where pupils learn for intrinsic because yeah with intrinsic motivation and there's no no pressure to perform and so on. But in Sweden, it's kind of Finland, in the Swedish perception, Finland seems to be much more like a kind of law and order place where pupils still do what the teacher says and so on. So it's a completely different uh, projection that is that, that ends up on the screen that is projected from the Swedish side. So it's, 
it's sort of you're right it's some sometimes it's it's completely made up but like i would say more often it's not that it's completely made up but that kind of certain as little bits are, are picked and and are kind of built into into these these uh, projections so in any case it's much more important what's what's happening at the place where the projector stands than at the projection screen right because it's supposed to invent a particular political agenda yeah and invent or legitimize already existing political agendas right by referencing a country that is supposedly doing well in its education system exactly by pisa or at least understood through pisa yes exactly that's it and so do these do these countries that are are referencing say finland do they actually copy any of the policy that that is found in the Finnish education system? Do they actually does it result in say material changes to education systems in the home country? Well, again, the the problem is a bit uh, what what result is supposed to mean here, you know, because a lot of the things that that happen with reference or like like it's kind of difficult to to identify what what's the cause and and, and what's what's the legitimation here. Like if if you again, if I if I may use a German example, the German conference of uh, standing conference of educational ministers got into heavy pressure after the publication of the first round of PISA results and came out with a with a kind of list of things that needed to be tackled on the day after the results had been published. So there could not this this was really an emergency measure, and um, a lot of the things. They they introduced subsequently had already been had already been planned before they had already been the decisions had already been taken but they had not been publicized widely or they had not had uh, that uh, not had that much support and and you can see that it was kind of more used as a kind of booster rocket for things that were already planned or that were already um, in motion so it's very difficult to to say like what was actually copied or and and so on or it's um, a lot of the things that look oh yeah this 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 is a copy of this this is transfer really is are things that that um or how should i say like maybe the often the most important thing is not that actually oh, oh yeah this seems a good idea let's copy it but but oh we have this good idea let's legitimate it by linking it to the thing that's happening over there let's let's shift the focus from finland to um asia the rise of asia because on the some of the more recent pisa testing um places like shanghai and hong kong and south korea have been you know doing very well on these tests um so what sort of projections are being put uh onto the screen in these in in asia say yeah the well, the th- the interesting thing is, you said that in recent PISA rounds, Asia Asia did well. the The interesting thing is that Asia did well right from the beginning. I mean, or at least these countries you just as they entered PISA, these these particular Asian countries. I mean, there are also other other Asian countries participating that nobody talks about, but but like specifically. Uh, East Asia, Southeast Asia, uh, yeah, the, the the ones you name, like already in the first round, South Korea and Japan uh, were were like place one and two in mathematical and scientific literacy. So so it was really it, it's right from the start. The, the, so why do we mm, think of it as the rise then? Yeah, well, I mean, we we think of it as the rise. I think because like 
Shanghai only started participating in 2009 and immediately topped all three uh, literacy domains. And also, Shang a lot of people, uh, or, or often often Shanghai is taken as pars pro toto, like as, as symbolizing the the uh, the whole of China. And of course, that that's more than one billion people. Uh, the the Chinese results would look very different. Uh, if 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 Pisa was extended to the whole of China, but but like th that, th I think that that's particularly and th this whole thing gets gets connected to the to the uh, discourse of of the rise of China as an economic giant and workbench of the world and and all these all these things. So I think the moment a Chinese region or, or city like Shanghai enters the picture, this this gets kind of more more scary for a lot of uh, its economic competitors what you can see uh, generally on again like just just as with with finland it's, where it's interesting to look at what are kind of pre-existing stereotypes of of uh, of scandinavia and how is finland linked to that that you can do the same thing with with asia and look how, how that is linked to. and if you look at the at the uh, North American discussion, you can you can see that there's this this up and down going from, uh, or, or it oscillates between fascination and being scared of being a competitor. That was particularly Japan, the 1980s, and and so on. But that that kind of, I, I think especially the whole Japan being scared by Japan thing died down, a bit also as Japan went into went went into. Uh, recession and so, but like with 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 China, that was kind of reactivated. I th I think as far as I, I'm, I'm not a specialist for the U.S. discussion, but as far as I can see, that's that's to a certain extent uh, what happens there. Um, if you look at Germany, you can see that there is a long-standing, or maybe I should start by saying the the education in Asia, and and I'm, I hope you can kind of see the quotation marks around Asia uh, here. I'm sort of we're talking about those countries, those Asian countries and regions that are doing particularly well in, in PISA. Um, the, the traditional per perception, as far as there is a traditional perception, is that their education is very much characterized by things like rote learning, by grueling examinations, and by pupils mainly uh, revising for university entrance examinations and stuff like that. And... Um, and not like it's in, in a sense it's it's the kind of opposite picture to to what education in Scandinavia is is uh, standing for and you can see that with with uh, with uh, well what is sometimes termed the rise of Asia which is probably like really the the rise in 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 the attention that Asia gets uh, you can see in the German case that 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 picture remains unshaken to a surprising extent that you get these articles of uh, where, where people say well um, okay so so China or so Shanghai is, is doing great what should Western policymakers learn from this the answer is nothing uh, things like that so which is really quite quite interesting that it's that so, so you get these articles but but in the vast majority they kind of try to shrug off the threat posed by by these Asian countries and regions doing so well. That's not the case in all European countries. If you look at the UK, for example, the the current government is running an initiative of, of uh, well, um, of, of importing, as it were, 
the Shanghai maths teacher that are supposed to show British teachers how to teach maths and they're also sending a group or groups of British teachers to Shanghai to to do the same thing. So so in, in the UK there seems to be a different perception there. So the rise of Asia is about learning best practices from them. Yes, exactly, exactly. And that's that, that so they they're not sharing this no we can't learn anything from this but oh oh no we need to we need to learn from them how to uh, teach maths. Right. Whereas in Germany it's more the the um the conceptions of of Asian education of rote learning yes. and of examinations. That is right. This is something that kills creativity, and we shouldn't follow that, it. Exactly. That that's that's essentially the picture. And the interesting thing is that you get this picture across the political camp. I mean, I've looked at the two main quality newspapers. One of them, well, center left. The other one, center right. And they tend to disagree on a lot of questions in education, such as the comprehensivization issue, but. Like in condemning or in in saying no, Asia has nothing to offer us that we can learn from them. Uh, they're both alike. That, that's re really quite interesting. You get and that's different than than the the conception of the Finnish education system, where the different camps could compete with a different political interest, all justifying it through yeah. Finland. I mean, the the thing is in in the yeah that that that, that is that, that is definitely different. I mean, the Finnish. If you look at what the two newspapers say about Finland, it's it's still the center right one still says, oh well, the the, the Finns fin, the Finns are doing fine and comprehensive schooling works with them, but it wouldn't work in Germany. And then there's a, like a host of reasons, there. but they kind of still acknowledge that Finland is doing well and that that is kind of a for them it's a model that works very well. Whereas with Asia, they like the, both newspapers say no. Well, this is this is not to be. This is this is no good. It's also it's interesting if you look at the imagery that is used to portray. And I think there's also, you in a sense you really have to discuss the two, the model and the anti-model, in conjunction because in a sense they stabilize each other. It's like if you've got, how should I say, like heaven becomes much more tempting if there's if there's a particularly scary hell as an alternative. You know, and 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 it's all, and I'm I'm not using these these words lightly because if you if you look at how Finland is portrayed, you get these things like uh, educational paradise to which pilgrimages are are done and so on, and so so you really get these kind of imagery of redemption. Whereas Asia, like examination hell, um, or this one quote from an article is um, youth in China is like uh, running the gauntlet from one examination to the other. Like running the gauntlet is, is a method of torture, result, usually resulting in death. Youth without sleep is another headline I, I recall about South Korea. And that's sleep deprivation is, of course, also a method of torture. So on the one hand, you get drill is a word that, that comes up a lot. So on the one hand, you've got this imagery of redemption and and paradise. On the other hand, you've got the imagery of hell and, and torture and um, the barracks. And so why why is Asia in quotation marks perceived in a way negatively whereas Finland is perceived in a more positive way? Well I think this has a lot to do with these prior perceptions. I mean with the fact that that countries because we and I mean I completely uh, I'm, I'm even as a comparative educationalist you're, you're struggling to kind of get a grip of what happens in, in countries that, like, collectively, we know so little about 
other countries that we sort of mainly mainly interpret what's happening in the world in terms of the pre-existing stereotypes we have of the world like stereo well stereotypes as generalizations over over a group and and that looking at certain countries we kind of interpret what we're seeing there in the light of these prior perceptions this what we think is our prior knowledge of these countries and that's extremely difficult to shake I and mean, the stereotype research has shown that, that these especially uh, hetero stereotypes that is stereotypes not about your own group but about a different group are very very hard to shake and I think that that's this is a very good example for that 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 because there is this prior perception that that Asia is this place where where there's rote learning and where schools resemble barracks um, that, that, that that people uh, that this is very hard to shake I Maybe I, sh I should add a caveat here, and that's that uh, I, I'm, I'm not saying that there is no rote learning in Asia, and I'm not saying that, that I advocate South Korea as a model to emulate or anything. That, that's kind of, that, that's a different question, um, as, it, as it were. So it's, uh, at least in my research, what I'm mainly interested in, interested in is how these, these, these references are used. And... What one can say, even if, if one isn't, and, and I'm certainly I'm, I'm not a, a, a fan of road learning and things and so on, is that like people like Kita Takayama have shown that, that like the picture would have to be much more differentiated of, again, always in quotation mark, Asian uh, education, if you wanted to kind of get a clearer grasp of the complexity and, and of like different things happening at different different levels of schooling in Japan, for example, and so on, so, so that it's, uh, it's certainly not as simple, the picture, as it is sometimes portrayed in um, these, or as it is usually portrayed, I think it's safe to say, uh, in the German media, for example. And what do you think this says of this supposed globalized education policy field that we hear a lot about in our field? Um, well, uh, I think... I think uh, I think it says like sort of in, in well in sort of matter I think it's sort of slightly dialectical in the sense that it shows on the one hand that there actually is a globalized education policy field references to all over the, the globe abound in, in education discourse but then in a sense the globalized education policy field has has existed for for a longer time than is sometimes said like systems of mass schooling in Europe in the 19th century evolved in a sense at least in a Europeanized global policy field if you wish like or sort of they evolved in constant uh, mutual observation and so on so so the globalized policy field has been around uh, for a while of course the injecting or introducing ranked knowledge about uh, the players in this field has has kind of add, added a new dynamics to, to the whole Thing. You know, like as soon as there as there are ranking tables, no matter how they're constructed, they're going to they're going to do things to to the field. I can see that in the university ranks, where, wherever you see ranked uh, knowledge. I mean that you don't have to go all the way. Like with the introduction of the of the Carnegie classification in in American North American universities, that that kind of did things to the way these these uh, the field operated and the same thing has happened with the rise of international large-scale assessment so on the one hand you can see okay this is a very clear indication that there is a globalized policy field that whose dynamics have become intensified over recent years 
On the other hand, I think we can also see that it is a field in which global knowledge is processed locally and where local conditions shape how um, things like these rankings and so on are perceived. It's not an automatism uh, that a PISA league table leader will become a positive model, a positive reference society in a country. It's not, this is not a given. It can happen, it has happened in many places, and it's also, it's also very well possible that some, at some point in the future, Germany will, will sort of, the German perception will change there, but it's by no means something that happens automatically. It's, it's something that is processed in the light of especially prior existing stereotypes and perceptions of these, these uh, league leaders. So we, we see a globalized policy field, but it's, but it's a policy, f like just, I don't know if we stay with the metaphor of the field for a while, uh, imagine a, a big field that, that there's going to be quite a microclimate in, in different places. There's going to be sort of some, some, some um, weeds will only grow in, in certain countries, certain bits because they've got particularly favorable growing conditions there. So there will be some beautiful flowers in one corner, but not the other. So, so I think the global, the, the globalized policy field, we, we should think in terms of a globalized policy field, but we should not think that this field is a homogeneous, um, homogeneous field, like with the same shade of green all over it. In, in about six months time or in December of this year, the next PISA results will be announced. What are you looking for when you look at the data? What are you expecting to find? I'm very careful about prognoses. <laughs> that, that's one thing. One one thing I've I've learned through through observing this whole thing is is to expect the unexpected. That that it's um, or if I look at some of the things that have happened in recent years, I've never thought that I wouldn't have never thought possible. I'm I'm sort of careful with with predictions, but uh, um, I think. Well, what we're probably going to see is, like, just in terms of the results, is is that the Asian countries are going to continue to dominate, to, to dominate, possibly dominate even more if that is possible. Um, I'm, if if we now look at how how this is processed in, in the German case, I think uh, this will end. This will partly depend on where Germany ends up and also where where Finland ends up. If like Finland continues to, to, if the Finnish results continue to relatively um, decline, um, yeah, it'll be interesting how how that is processed in the, in the German discourse. I don't know, and also like I guess if, if if Germany continues to kind of stabilize its position somewhere near or just above the OECD uh, average, that's going to take some of the heat out of the debate. Like the the scandalization was so particularly violent after the first round or rounds of PISA because Germany, the, the way Germany um, did in PISA was sort of so divergent from the expectations. Um, so, so I think, think that's going to be interesting to see and that's going to condition to a large extent what's going to happen uh, afterwards. I think that, pos or I, I assume, I, I don't know, but, but like with, now again from a German perspective, with countries such as the UK uh, adopting Asia as a as a positive rever reference society, 
um, it'll be interesting to see if, if possibly that via that detour, as it were, by like kind of observing other European countries that are not perceived as 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 different as Asia, uh, adopting the the Asian model as a positive reference society, whether that might lead to a to a change in in um, German perceptions. But as I said, I mean it's it's going to be very interesting to see. But it's uh, I I'm careful to to make predictions here. Well, Florian Waldo, thank you very much for joining Fresh Ed. Yeah, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Florian Waldo is professor at Humboldt University in Berlin. Next week, I speak with Iveta Salova about post-socialist imaginaries in Latvia. Fresh Ed is brought to you by the Globalization and Education Special Interest Group of the Comparative and International Education Society. You can subscribe to Fresh Ed on iTunes and follow the show on Twitter using the handle at Fresh Ed Podcast. The opinions expressed on Fresh Ed are solely those of the host or the guest interviewed, not CIES or the Globalization and Education, SIG, which take no institutional positions. Original music for Fresh Ed was created by Digital Primate. Thanks for listening. I'm Will Brem, and see you next week.